It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone. And Genesee Health Plan can help. I called and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, healthcare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a, uh, a great show coming up uh, in the third hour. We're going to revisit a conversation I had with uh, an, an expert on uh, uh, astronauts and space travel and talks about how astronauts prepare for things and how people might prepare for things um, under pandemic conditions. It's it's kind of an interesting different conversation. And in the uh, second hour of our three-hour tour, the author of a political thriller uh, that's uh, called Just the Truth, Jen LaGreca is her name, and um, interestingly enough, it's about... tampering with voting systems in a presidential election. Anyway, that should be uh, an interesting conversation. But up first, my uh, guest this hour, joining me by phone, is uh, the member and representative of a newly formed or forming uh, organization called simply, um, oops, I'm looking at the wrong sheet here, Uh, called simply uh, Gun Owners for Safety. It's a national coalition. There's a Michigan version of it. And uh, John Gold joins me by phone to represent them. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, Let me ask you first about this this organization, um, Gun Owners for Safety. Who are they and... um, why do they need an organization? Well, we're we're a really diverse group of people: uh, athletes, veterans, gun collectors, uh, shooters. Um, we're made up of all kinds of different people. Um, the reason for the group is is simple: we're we're really trying to reduce gun violence um, through advocacy, public education, and some policy change. Um, the, the reason for it, um, I'm going to quote my Colorado chapter president. He came home from Iraq only to 
watch TV and see some of the same things he saw there here. People carrying semi-automatic and automatic long guns over their shoulders in public protest or uh, to use them through public intimidation. Uh, numerous, numerous gun accidents causing the deaths of children and adults alike. Um, weapons being used in repeated cases of domestic violence. Um, and, and we all got together, you know, we got together uh, behind Congresswoman, Gif former Congresswoman Giffords, who was trying to, to start an organization. No one here is against the Second Amendment. We are, in fact, if you look at the back of my logo T-shirt, it says, I am pro-Second Amendment. I own guns, uh, but I support common-sense gun laws. And what we just want to do is try to advocate for safety. And you don't feel represented by the NRA? Well, let's start with that. I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. Um, I don't feel that the National Rifle Association, especially over the last five to ten years, has been as big an advocate for safety as they have been for gun sales. Uh, to be blunt, uh, if you pick up a copy of American Rifleman, and read it from front cover to back cover, you might find one one-inch by one-inch box on safety, and the rest of it seems to be advertisements uh, and, and some good hunting advice, don't get me wrong, um, but most of it seems to be a, a flagrant ad for the gun companies and political posturing for, you know, the far right-wing attitude towards firearms. Um, we are just decided that a moderate voice needs to enter this arena and and start talking about common sense ways we can make people safer. And and I want to get into some of those common sense ways, but, you know, we've, over the last uh, week or so with the election this week, there were concerns that uh, there were going to be people... Um, carrying weapons at polling places that might be intimidating to some voters. The Secretary of State tried to ban uh, concealed carry at uh, polling places, or open carry, I guess, at polling places. And um, <clears throat> that was uh, blocked by the courts. Um, and and yet we didn't we didn't see a lot of that, but we have seen in the wake of the election last night in uh, Arizona there was a crowd, some armed, um, that tried to get access to one of the counting places. Something similar happened in Detroit, and I, I have to ask, as a gun enthusiast, what do you think when you hear those stories and see those images? I'm embarrassed. Um, as a responsible, first of all, armed intimidation has no part in the American political process, period. I was just as embarrassed when groups of people formed in Lansing and marched into the Capitol building with their weapons loaded into a session of the Michigan Congress. Um, it's, it, it, it galls me. It galls me. You know, the, the First Amendment, and, and, and people have used the First Amendment to say they were exercising their First Amendment right. Your First Amendment right can be done with a piece of construction paper and a piece of wood and a sign and using your voice. 
no one needs, I've testified in Lansing on gun issues more than once, and I never needed my firearm to make a point. Um, I think that uh, anyone who thinks that they need to carry their loaded firearm to a political protest um, is really not being a responsible gun owner, Um, especially in open carry, and I think that's the biggest problem. Um, And and this is where I may diverge. I I may get in some trouble here. Uh, The bottom line is I, I don't think there's any reason for open carry. Uh, maybe for police officers and military personnel. I, I completely understand that. But I don't see any reason. To, I've been a CPL holder for my entire career. I've learned how to draw from concealment, and and, and, and I have skills. And quite frankly, I think that open carry is just laziness. It's people who don't want to. Uh, they, they're, they're trying to use their weapon for one of two reasons. Either it's intimidation or they're trying to show something off, and either way, that's not what gun ownership is supposed to be about. If you're carrying a firearm, it's supposed to be to protect you and the lives of others, not to create fear or to create a situation where people feel uneasy or intimidated. John, are you trying to tell me that you can be a gun enthusiast without being a gun nut? I, I don't like I, I don't like the term gun nut. I think some people are very enthusiastic, but I do think I, I think that there 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 are just because something's legal doesn't make it prudent. Um, quote Vice President Bush: Just because it, it it's legal doesn't make it prudent. Um, we we have to take a deep breath and realize that. Um, we can exercise our right, we can go to the range, we can practice, we can defend our homes, we can do all of this stuff um, without, you know, making other people fearful. And that fear and intimidation is no way to run a society. And now Michigan was identified as one of, I think, five states where uh, polling place armed intimidation at polling places was likely to occur or um, could occur very easily. It was it was on the watch list of a lot of law enforcement agencies for that. And um, it, it uh, and of course, we just had this recent uh, um, episode where, uh, some people were apprehended for allegedly plotting to kidnap and, and uh, possibly kill the governor of Michigan. Um, it, it strikes me that there are certain kinds of regulations that might make sense without infringing on anyone's freedom. And and you just echoed the credo of our group. So, yes, I agree. There are definite compromises, and I think that's the biggest problem we've had. In, 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 in we'll Take a look at the election results right now. We're split down the middle. We're split right down the middle and swinging to both sides, to the edges of both sides. Instead of coming... To, uh, instead of coming to the middle 
and compromising and making things work. You know, the best deal anyone ever signs, Tom, is a deal where both sides get a little bit of what they want, but no one gets everything they want. We come to the middle and we make progress. And, you know, I, I don't want to take away anybody's firearms, but there are common sense rules that we had in place before. They aren't, they, they aren't science fiction. There are rules we had that kept you. I'll give you an example. It used to be in the state of Michigan that if you wanted to transport a semi-automatic rifle, you could, back and forth to the range, back and forth to practice, or back and forth to a duty assignment. But that rifle had to be stored in a locked case in your trunk. The ammunition had to be stored separately, and they only got together at the range or if you were on duty. When you transported it back, they had to be separated again. Now, people, uh, you know, we had that big open carry demonstration movement about a year and a half and two years ago, and someone felt they needed a loaded AR-15 to walk into Target to go get a bag of Oreos. Um, and because of the open carry legality, they could do it. It just seems to me that the children and the moms walking through that target had a right to feel safe and not see an armed man reaching for his Oreos carrying a, a weapon that looks like a military-style weapon of war in their supermarket. Should, should certain weapons be banned from general ownership? I don't... Bans a tough word. All bans do is create black markets for things, but I think we ought to regulate it. I think, I think you know, the nasty word in, in, in American society, uh, especially uh, under this last administration, has been regulation, as if regulations were evil. Regulations get put in place so we don't have E. coli in our spinach, right? Regulations get put in place so no one's left arm ends up in your sausage. Um I think that we need to re-regulate these things. Um, and, and there are a couple of commonplace things that we can do uh, to make things much safer. I mean, I want to start, I'd probably start at universal background checks. I can't understand, even if a gun is transferred within a family, I think, who, who knows what, the, uh, what anyone's done since. I think there has to be a universal background check system. Um, and that it should happen for every transaction of every firearm. Hey, John, um, I, I, I have to put a comma here. I have a break coming up here in a moment. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, John, can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk I'm, about this some more? I, I, I am absolutely free. Yep. Well, John, thank you so much. I appreciate it. John Gold is... Uh, now, is it officially um, Michigan Gun Owners for Safety? It. It is Giffords Gun Owners for Safety, and I am the president of the Michigan chapter. Gotcha. Okay, John. Um, for those of you listening to us on 92.1 FM, our voice is radio in Flint. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. We'll be back with John Gould and more of the Tom Sumner Program right Hello after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by America, the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, Pearly Gate Rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residents, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, my guest this hour is the president of the Michigan chapter of the um, Gun Owners for Safety National Coalition formed by Gabby Giver- uh, Giffords, the uh, former uh, congresswoman from Arizona who was uh, shot at a convenience store during a uh, oh, one of her regular meet and greets. Uh, and um, she and her husband have been advocates for reasonable gun ownership. Anyway, the um, my, my guest is John Gould, who joins me by phone. John, welcome back. Thanks for being here this morning. I appreciate it, Tom. I appreciate being here. Um, now, just before the break, you were starting to talk about some things that were sensible kinds of of regulations that wouldn't infringe on people's freedoms sure um we we talked a bit we started with universal background checks um we we can also start talking about magazine capacity um i'm i'm not trying to take anyone's weapon away from them by the same token it it's it's problematic to me that uh, someone could drive to a sporting goods store, buy a semi-automatic rifle, a 100-round drum, which will hold 100 rounds, load it, and drive to any school he wants. Uh, or she wants, I should not be sexist. The bottom line is, is that we, we need some common sense regulation. Um, I had a debate, so I, I used to serve warrants and papers here in the state of Michigan for a long time. I carried a weapon on me most of the time. It had six rounds in it. I'm still here, I'm alive, and I'm here to talk about it, right? Um, obviously, in the modern era, weapons have upgraded. and so John, did you ever have to use your weapon? Did I ever have to use my weapon? I had to brandish my weapon a couple of times, but I've never fired it at anybody. Um... But you're reasonably confident that the six rounds you had would have got you out of those situations. Yep, I am. And, and you know, we don't even have to go to six, Tom. We can go back to ten. Um, most semi-automatic pistols were regulated to ten rounds. And I had a debate with a friend of mine who, who is a tactical instructor on the East Coast who said to me, look, if I'm doing a security job and I'm, I'm securing these facilities, and I said, that's different. That's your job. Okay, you're in the security industry. You're, you're protecting a facility or a base. I understand what you need. But as far as a civilian's concerned, in any realistic gun, it's not TV. Okay, they are not long, most gun battles are not long drawn out, hidden behind car doors or, <laughs> you know, shooting, shooting through a facility. Most, most of these incidents happen at 5 to 10 feet. And so my, my, my attitude is that if you, if you miss with the first 10, you're probably going to be dead because the other guy has a gun. And if you're going to miss with the first 10, there's another problem. You missed with 10 rounds. Where did they go? The, the one thing that responsible gun owners are taught in every class, and I'm going to give credit to, the, you know, to, to gun safety classes in this state. A lot of them are pretty good. And that you are responsible for every bullet that comes out of your gun. If you're going to miss 10 times, I'm scared. 
We had an incident here about two years ago in an Auburn Hills parking lot in front of a, on a Sunday, in front of a parking lot full of people in front of a Home Depot, where a woman decided it was her job to stop a shoplifter who shoplifted all of $20 worth of goods, was running out of the store, and she let nine rounds fly in a loaded parking lot. That's not responsible gun ownership, nor was it her job to be a police officer, nor was it her job to be a citizen who was not in danger of her life brandishing her weapon. So, again, there are common sense rules that we can set up and, and enforce and, and work with. Um, I think that if we have room uh, in the court system for first-time drug abuse, abusers we have room in the court system for first-time gun abusers you know i can't help wondering there are so many people and and we hear these stories and people hear them differently where <clears throat> a, a shooter pops up in a crowded place a church um a, a mall somewhere and someone in the crowd pulls a gun and takes out the shooter. And, you know, there, there are people who think that that person then is a hero for having, you know, possibly saved other people's lives. Um, but yet there's this Wild West quality to that that, that makes me uncomfortable. What, do you, what are your thoughts about those those encounters well I think and then and i'm talking about something a little different than the mall parking lot scenario you just described oh um, i get it where there was more of a threat no i i understand completely and and here's the thing i i think that anyone who stops someone who's trying to that it's a that's a tough issue to get to because I honestly believe you know that a well trained person or a law enforcement officer or someone in that situation who's duty bound to act is probably going to act. But let me add, let me let me reverse the question to you: What if everyone in that congregation was carrying a gun at the same time, and everyone got up to stop that shooter? Well, the crossfire would probably kill most of the congregation, right? That's so, that's my that's that's exactly my concern, John. Is this this sense that it's it's the wild west, and as soon as the shooting starts, everybody joins in. Well, and also there's another there's another factor here. So, if law enforcement does arrive on scene. How are they going to know who the good guy and the bad guy is? If everybody's got, if there are 10 people with guns drawn or even open carried, I, I will tell you this, this is my other argument with open carry, Tom, is it makes you the first target. So if, you, if I'm a police officer or I'm a trained military officer and I get to a scene and there are weapons drawn, that's my first threat. That makes me the first target. People should know that if you brandish your firearm, even in self-defense, you have made, you have just, it better be your life that's on the line. Because if it isn't, you just risked it. Because whoever responds to that call 
all they're going to see is the gun, and they're not going to care, you know, that you're the good guy. They're not going to know that you're the good guy. And so you have opened yourself up to a whole potential situation. <laughs> you may end up in the morgue instead of on, a, in the, on the front page of the newspaper as a hero. There are lots of dead heroes. And, you know, firearms are no joke. This isn't, like we talked about, this isn't the movies. This isn't TV. Um, I, I would be. You, if I you was mean you can't pull your gun and just fan it like they do in the old westerns? <laughs> well, you can, but you're not going to be near as accurate as those movie directors make you out to be. Um, no, it's it's not a good idea. But uh, what scares me is that I mean, look, if I was in that situation, so let me run you through that. So we're in a. We're in a, a Walmart because this happened. Uh, two women's daughters got in a fight over a trapper keeper notebook, a $9 notebook, <laughs> and got in a fist fight. Both mothers decided that their daughters were in danger and drew their weapons out of their purses and out of their holster over a $9 notebook and a fist fight. They drew their weapons. Now, I show up on that scene, I'm a, le I'm a gun owner, and I'm trained, Tom, I, I have been training for 25 years, I go to advanced tactical training, I have decided that if I'm going to be a gun owner, I'm either going to be the best at it or not at all, and that's how I feel every gun owner should be. Uh, the most dangerous gun owners we have in the world are called, the ones I call sock drawer owners. They buy the gun, load it, put it in their drawer, and hope to God they know how to use it when the bad guy shows up. But I'm in the middle of this scenario. So I walk in there. Is it my job to shoot both of them because they're a threat? No. I'm a civilian. It's my job to hide. It's my job to get behind cover and keep myself alive and dial 911. And the only time I would deploy my weapon is if their weapon was pointed at me and I thought I was going to get shot. That's the only time a civilian should be using their weapon in the open, is if, God forbid, their life is on the line and they feel there's an immediate threat and danger. And even then, you're going to be lucky. The adrenaline's pumping through you. you, you your, your hands are going to shake. If you haven't trained within an inch of your life, you're probably going to lose it anyway. You know, it's... John, it, it, somebody like you who has had a lot of experience and a lot of training is um, is a responsible gun owner and and a reasonable person. What? How do we address the situation that we know exists here in Michigan and in Montana and other states around the country? of these militias that are stockpiling weapons, and in some cases, military-type weapons, um, how, do we, how do we do something sensible to address those things, or, or should we be addressing those things, and, and how do we do it? Well, I think, first of all, we stop calling them militias. Um, they used the term militia because it was a convenient term used in the Constitution to supposedly protect their right. Um, 
it says well-organized militias too, and it was intended for the defense of states when we had 13 colonies. Um, that situation no longer exists. And we had, no, uh, we had no formal military and no police departments. Well, right, but there are other countries yet. in the world. There are other countries in the world, Switzerland, everybody, there, there is a house gun, okay? But if you break the law with it or you do something stupid, the penalty is severe. There are teeth to their laws, and I think that's where we... That's another place we need to start, is that there has to be a huge penalty for gun negligence. Um, that, that said, um, I want to, I'm tangenting, and I want to go back to where you were. Um, I think what we really need is, and we'll go all the way back to Thomas Paine and call what it common we, sense. What do we call them instead of malicious? It, well, to be blunt, uh, it depends. Would you call Al-Qaeda a militia? I wouldn't. Um, when I saw those caravans of trucks with men with loaded long arms cutting off a tour bus, a, a, tra a campaign bus in Texas, um, I, I don't call that. <laughs> that's not protest. That's physical action. And the minute, you know, my right to swing my fist Tom, ends where your nose starts. We have laws in this country, and uh, these militia groups are quote-unquote militia groups, are really, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to sensationalize this, but the minute we just had a militia group decide to try to kidnap a governor or try to kill a governor of the state of Michigan, the state of Ohio, and the state of North Carolina, that's domestic terrorism. That's not militia activity. A militia is supposed to defend the people of the country, not try to kill them or try them in a kangaroo court outside the law. So uh, we have all kinds of laws that we use to deal with domestic terrorism. And the FBI, who everyone wants to malign these days, does a great job of trying to influence. I mean, look, they didn't pull it off. They didn't get to try the FBI caught them, and that's what we need. We need the criminal justice system, and we need to believe in our government institutions and have them go to work making sure that these groups can't do what they're set out to do. Is, is some of getting a, a better handle on... Um gun violence in this country enforcing the existing laws or do we need new laws we need both um there are existing laws that we need to have teeth and then there are other and again i'm going to use the word regulations that we need to enforce um and i'm going to sound really callous for a second so we had we have another incident here in michigan where uh, a mother left a 357 Magnum revolver sitting on a bedstand, and a child got a hold of that gun and shot somebody else's child. Now, you can't charge a four-year-old or a five-year-old. They didn't know any better, right? But mom ought to get charged and prosecuted. 
we need to enforce those laws. You can't make a mistake with a deadly weapon. And Tom, the, one of the biggest, and I'm glad you asked that question, one of the biggest problems we have in this country are unattended firearms and unsecured firearms. So another thing we can start talking about are safe storage laws. So if you come into my house, a firearm is one of two places. It is either on my person or it's locked up. Okay? So if somebody, no one's going to get a hold of it unless they can get, you know, unless they're going to subdue me or, you know, think they can lift me. And I'm, I'm tough. I was on the street for a long time. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, you know, and if children or guests come into my home, either a firearm, like I said, is on my person where no one can see it or it is in a safe, locked up, secured, and they're going to need my hand, my thumbprints, my combination, and a key lock to get in. And so far, thank God, my nephews haven't figured out how to get my hand off my body. So it's not going to happen. We need to talk about safe storage laws, especially right now, especially with COVID. Because if you think about it now, we have three generations of people locked in some of these houses together. We have young people, kids. Uh, a middle generation and elderly people, and we haven't even talked about elderly people with dementia yet, all of which can cause a hazard if they find an unattended loaded firearm. So we need to talk about safe storage as well as one of our main, uh, you know, it's it, a cable lock for a pistol. Uh, police stations give them out for free. It's not even cost prohibitive. A biometric safe on your bed stand, which makes sure that only your fingerprint can get to that firearm, is about 120 bucks. Some are as cheap as $80. And when I, used, when I was teaching for 20 years, teaching pistol craft, I said to some people, if you can't afford the safety equipment, you can't afford the gun. It's really kind of that simple. If you're not going to keep, especially if you have children in the house, I mean, that brings a whole, I don't have kids. But if you have children in a house, and children are naturally inquisitive. They just are. They get into things. I mean, how many times have you heard stories about kids getting into the cooking mix, and by the time mom and dad come down, the entire kitchen is covered with brownie batter? Um, you know, kids get into things. They find things. And, and we need to make sure that those things are neutralized and safe. There are still ways, just like we talked about the Second Amendment being regulated, but, but still free. Okay, it's there's no other amendment that we don't regulate. There are regulations for every amendment in the book. So we can regulate or pass a law for safe storage. Now, I don't think that gives the police the right to open up every gun owner's house. But if someone comes in and there's an incident, there should be a law that says you should have had that weapon stored safely. Um, the other thing that I'd really like to get to is mental illness. Um, part of my personal story, part of the reason I'm here is that I have lost three people close to me in four years to firearm suicide. Um, and I guess when you're in the gun community and you, that's, that's one of the maladies that comes with it, but I'm not going to qualify that. I lost my college girlfriend of four years a martial arts and self-defense training partner, and a close friend of mine's father, all within the last four years. 
So three funerals, three bullets, 100% efficiency rating because they had access to the most efficient killing machines on the face of the earth. And let's talk about that because that's what guns are. I mean, yes, they're used for sport. And yes, we use them for self-defense. But firearms are killing tools. Whether you're hunting, right, you're still going to kill the animal to eat it, right? They're killing tools. Now, they can be used responsibly like any other tool or not. But my my, my ex-girlfriend was bipolar, had a dispute with her husband. It was a domestic. He left the house and was left with a loaded loaded weapons in an unlocked gun case. Um, my my martial arts training partner was an executive who'd never lost a deal uh, job in his life, lost his first job, was in chronic pain, extreme pain and depression, hadn't talked to anyone about it, walked into his own home, turned up the stereo and took his life. My best, one of my closest friend's fathers, a military veteran, a Navy officer for 20 years, had lost his wife six months before, fell and had broken his neck, had rehabbed it, was, was getting better, fell again, hurt it again, decided he couldn't handle the pain, and his daughter had to find him on his kitchen floor. That's trauma. Think about the trauma that gun violence causes, not just for the victims of the gun violence, but for the people who are left behind. It's, it's not just a Second Amendment issue here. It's how do we reduce trauma and, 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 and graphic barbarism for the entire society? And... I mean, to be blunt, and, and my political slip will show here, that man should have had a way if he didn't want to be here anymore to do that besides his service pistol. Um, but that's what we're dealing with now. And in the mental health aspect, uh, we, the state of Indiana, which is the most, I, 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 it's a conservative state, but it's the most liberal gun state when it comes to gun laws in the Midwest, have red flag laws. Are you familiar with red flag laws, Tom? Vaguely. Okay. So a red flag law says, and and this is with due process, I want to emphasize this, that there is a due process court, a court-administrated process for this to happen. It is not just somebody can make a phone call. Okay? But what red flag laws do is they allow a family member or a concerned citizen to go before a court and show just cause that someone may be mentally ill or a danger to themselves or others, if the court, and only if the court and a judge agrees, then the police can come in, not confiscate, which is the other word that gets used, but remove those firearms from the home, have them stored. They're not taking the property away, but for up to one year, depending on level of treatment, they can keep that person safe from self-harm. John, I have to go to another break here. Can you stick around so we can wrap it up? Absolutely. All right. My guest is John Gold. He is the uh, 
president of Michigan Gun Owners for Safety. We're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
place where you never get harmed. A magical place with magical charms. Indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I've been talking with uh, John Gold, the uh, president of uh, the Michigan chapter of Gun Owners for Safety, a national coalition founded by uh, former Arizona Congresswoman uh, Gabby Giffords, who was the victim of gun violence. And um, John, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. No problem, Tom. Glad to, again, glad to be here. Um, John, one th- uh, a couple things that I want to make sure and do. One is I want to make sure that we stay in touch and, and that you will come back and visit from time to time as, uh, as issues come up. I would be more than happy to do that. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, so please keep me in the loop and, um, you know, with, uh, I don't know, any, any press releases or things that that come out but uh, for people listening who want to know more about gun owners for safety and who want to look at sensible solutions to this quandary of gun violence and and what to do about it without infringing on people's freedoms um, what are some good resources for people to look into? Well, the first thing I would tell them is to go straight to the Giffords website at giffords.org and then type in Gun Owners for Safety. That'll get them to the front page for this group where they can see our principles, what we're about, and coordinate with us. Anyone who registers in the state of Michigan on that page, will their information will get forwarded to me, and they'll get a personal phone call from me. So I, I, I want to talk to people. I want to get more people involved. I think Michigan, despite any you know, news media we've had recently, of, of recent events, is a treasure trove of responsible gun owners. Uh, hunters tend to be the most responsible gun owners in America, and Michigan is a huge hunting state. Uh, the self-defense community here is very responsible. We want to hear from them, too. Um, as a moderate group, we want them to go to Giffords.org, pull in, register, and let's let's all sit down and talk. I mean, I think that's where we have to all start here. And I don't care which side you're on, Tom. I think we can start with the simple premise that we all want less people to get shot. If we <laughs> it, can, it's, that seems like a no-brainer, John. Exactly. Well, John, I really appreciate you spending this time with me this morning. It's, uh, it, 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 you know, I, and forgive my, my comment about, uh, you know, gun enthusiasts versus gun nuts. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, it, you, not only are you forgiven, but it's not that you were wrong. It's that, that most of us aren't. And that's, that's what I, the point I want to get out is that 90 98, 99% of gun owners are not gun nut. And we get a lot of coverage for the ones who are because it seems so outlandish and so intense. Yeah, but right? it makes so, good TV, doesn't it, John, to see uh, well, it, it, guys it, it, it in fatigues, ratings. you know, the, uh, wearing fatigues and carrying assault weapons 
you know, at what should be peaceful demonstrations. Well, and I'll tell you what, Tom, uh, if they want to do military cosplay, I guess that's up to them. But, you know, I back in, in the 80s, we had kids in the suburbs who liked to dress up like gang members because they thought they were tough. And, you know, the real answer is that a squad or a platoon of 12 regular active duty soldiers wiped the floor with 150 of those guys. So <laughs> it's, 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 if they want to play soldier, I suppose that's up to them. They have a right to make their First Amendment statement. They just don't have a right to do it while intimidating people. And, and, and that's, that's where I'm coming from. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing some time with me this morning and sharing your thoughts and information, and I hope we'll be doing it again soon. Tom, it's a pleasure, and please call me anytime. All right, take care. Take care. That was John Gould. Uh, Once again, uh, he is the president of uh, the Michigan chapter of Gun Owners for Safety, a national coalition founded by the... um, Giffords, uh, former uh, congresswoman uh, from Arizona, Gabby uh, Giffords, who was herself a victim of gun violence, and she and her husband are uh, gun owners, gun enthusiasts, who want to try and uh, come up with sensible solutions to gun violence in America. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll move on. We have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Couldn't be happier, Margie. He's too good to be true. He's, he's tall, he's handsome, he's rich, exciting. Definitely the best thing that's happened to me since George died. No, no, the kids haven't met him yet. They will later, though. He's out duck hunting. He said he'd drop by afterwards. Oh, Marge, I like a man who hunts ducks. <laughs> yeah. He said he was coming by because he had something very important to say to me. Marge, I think he may even pop the question. Oh, wait a minute. That might be him now. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Coming! Hi, Michael. Hi, Anne. How I are just you? made some martinis just the way you like them. Oh, great. Did I just hear a shot? Yeah. It's a funny thing. I was walking up the driveway, and uh, my gun kind of went off accidentally, and I shot a rabbit. <laughs> he was digging up your garden. Yeah. Uh, Michael? Yeah. Um, that wasn't a rabbit. That, that was Skippy, my dog. <laughs> oh, Anne, I'm terribly sorry. I... No problem, Michael. No problem. He w- was getting old anyway. Sure? My dog in dog age, he was close to seven. <laughs> Sit down, Michael. Oh, I forgot to ask, how did duck hunting go? Oh, well, it's not really duck hunting. It's, uh, well, it's kind of deer hunting, even though I didn't shoot a thing. I am getting better. Oh, man, I, I'm very sorry. I'm, no I... problem. These things happen. It was uh, getting dirty anyway. <laughs> I can't believe. Are you know, Michael, I'm reading this book called The Total Woman. Yes. It really makes a lot of sense. It says that... Oh, hi, Duke. You're home from school early. Yeah. We had a half a day. Oh, 
Hello, son. How are you? Hi. Say, what's wrong with Skippy? He looks sick. No, no, Duke, he's tired. He's sleeping. Oh, that's strange. The mailman's lying on the lawn. He must be sleeping, too. Bright young boy. Oh, oh, my Lord, I... No problem. Oh. <laughs> and that was your son. That's right. It was my son. But we can't live in the past now, can we? We must live for today and tomorrow. Our tomorrow. You're so understanding. Huh? Well, I, I try not to be bothered by trivialities, and you should, too. Mommy, am I crazy or did I just hear shots? Say, who was that? I was in the shower. I could have sworn I heard... Oh. My late daughter. Uh, I, I am now. I'm very sorry. No I, problem, I... Michael. No problem. Look, Patty was young, but those were 19 fruitful years. Yes. She even went to Europe last summer. Listen, um... Well, now that we're alone, as it were, I... Well, there's something I... Uh, there's something I wanted to ask you. Really? Yeah. I've never asked anybody this before. I'm kind of nervous. Take your time. And, well, uh, I'm so old-fashioned. Look, 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 you sit here. Okay. I guess I just want to do it the right way. <laughs> look. <laughs> Anne? Anne, I'm, are you all right? No problem. Just hurry up. What was it that you wanted to ask? <laughs> you're sure you're all right? I'm fine, Michael. Oh, um... <laughs> You know, I could really use that martini now. Now? Yeah, it'd probably help me pop the... Well, you know, as I was saying, I mean... Well, we've known each other for, oh, I guess, a few months. Seventeen? Oh, that's, that's fine. That's perfect. Oh, do you think I could have a twist? Just a little prior. <laughs> this message has been brought to you by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. You know... A gun is only as dangerous as the man who uses it. Oh, boy. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 